Welcome to Securing Data in the Age of AI, a cybercrime magazine podcast series brought to you by Sayera. I'm your host, Charlie Osborne. Offering a cloud-native solution that is purpose-built to ensure cyber resilience and assure compliance everywhere enterprises manage data, Sayera empowers security teams to know where their data is, what exposes it to risk, and to take immediate action to remediate exposures. To learn more about our sponsor, visit Sayera.io. That's C-Y-E-R-A dot I-O. Joining me today is Ari Wal, VP of Marketing at Sayera. Ari, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So in this episode, we're going to jump straight into generative AI, data, and the security considerations and implications surrounding this technology. To begin, Ari, can you explain to our listeners what generative AI is and why there's been such buzz about it recently? I'd also like your thoughts on why you think the tech industry is so captivated by AI at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. So generative AI has really captured people's imaginations because of all the promised improvements that we have to decision-making, to making use of our data, all of our employees and our efforts a bit more intelligent by adding the collective intelligence that is put into these models across the internet. Essentially, generative AI intelligence is an artificial intelligence that can generate text, images, or other media, and it uses generative models to create them where it learns patterns and the structure of input to train its own models. And then basically, when you ask it a question, you can say, I need an answer in the style of, and then you would insert a style of here, or can you assess a current situation based on the information available to you? And so when you think about a practitioner who wants to take the benefit of a lot of collective knowledge and then apply that to a problem set so that it can reason and decision very, very quickly to come to an answer, there are a lot of potential use cases here that are very exciting. In our space of data security, as an example, the real potential benefit here of leveraging these large language models, whether it be ChatGPT or Flan, for example, two different models that are available, it's being able to take the ability to look at a problem broadly and to come up with a very specific set of answers that might otherwise take a human being quite a long time to discern. Now, what's concerning about it? Well, if you look at the way that privacy is treated by if you just stick with OpenAI is probably the most common example that people are familiar with with ChatGPT. Once you put information into the chatbot and it is intended to assist somebody in coming to an answer, that data becomes a part of OpenAI's platform. It is available for anybody. And so you are supposed to notify anyone of information that you might share if you have to notify people of sharing or otherwise benefiting from their personal information. But really, the concern that a lot of governments, employers, and companies, schools have about generative AI broadly is that it represents an ability to both overshare private information that would constitute a material breach of privacy, or it can shortchange or otherwise compromise your intellectual property because if you add your own proprietary code or private documents or information from your business to ChatGPT or another form of generative AI, you're effectively eliminating your ability to manage that as your core IP, and it becomes a property of that model, that organization. I'm glad you mentioned that because we are beginning to hear a lot about the threat of organizational data exposure. What are you hearing from customers on the ground as their primary concerns? The primary concern we hear from people comes down to education and awareness. It's, are the people inside of an organization aware of 
the way that an open AI will use their data? Are they aware of what constitutes personal information or information that is material for the company as a competitive differentiator or something that otherwise you know, makes your offering unique? When you try to control how people would actually leverage a solution like ChatGPT, for example, there are some capabilities that you can use for data protection, for enterprise browsers. There are a number of different plugins and Sierra created one as well that you can add to a browser so that as you are leveraging a chatbot, it is either notifying you that you are sharing personal information or private or sensitive data. It can block the transmission of that information or access to one of these environments altogether. The challenge, however, with blocking is First of all, the use of open AI, the use of generative AI broadly is something that is seen as the potential for a real competitive differentiator for many businesses. And so it is in every business's best interest to experiment with that technology, to understand if it could unlock better connections with your employees, new business models. If you can come to different conclusions that would make you more data-driven in a given area where crunching through a large amount of data to derive insights is an important part of you understanding how to evolve your strategy. And so if you're just limiting people's access to the technology altogether, then you threaten to actually put yourself at a competitive disadvantage. The flip side of that, however, is how do you educate and inform people, especially as your organization becomes a large global enterprise where people are distributed, working from home, working in different jurisdictions and countries and different departments, with varying levels of awareness and insight or familiarity even into technology and to security, keeping them informed and aware of what to share, how to share, who they need to be notifying, how to think about privacy or other regulatory considerations is a daunting task. And so to that end, you can imagine where a lot of business leaders are concerned, but trying to work with their CIOs, with their CTOs and their chief security officers together to derive a strategy that cuts across people, process, and technology so that they can leverage and glean the benefits of generative AI successfully. Glad you mentioned that because when ChatGPT first sort of appeared on the scene, as it were, a lot of people seemed to just panic and you saw countries and companies themselves banning the use of the chatbots. And then these decisions were reverted, probably for reasons as you've mentioned. So how can today's CISOs accommodate the business need to share data without putting things in risk? It's a great question, and it's not surprising that when people take the draconian or the heavy-handed action of blocking, that eventually there will be cooler heads, there will be people who are just thinking more about the long-term implications of just the block, because you realize that anytime that you restrict access altogether, people will, especially if they have a real business need or a real personal or professional need, they will find a way to use the technology. And so you're better off finding a way for people to use it effectively, safely, in a way where you're actually governing to some extent the use and the awareness of how that use might implicate the company or benefit them. And so if you think about today, how people are deriving strategies, how CISOs can really think about enabling their business, the first question that you have to ask is, what is the data that we have? Are we aware of what we have to work with as an organization and the value of what that represents to us? Do we also understand what is regulated data? And what might we be 
violating certain privacy statutes or other regulatory statutes if we were to share it with a chatbot. Now, granted, there are different ways of leveraging generative AI. You can use your own proprietary version of it. There are public versions where everything gets shared, and that's what everybody tends to talk about in the news cycle. It's some of the more sensational sort of ideas about how you can misuse generative AI. But realistically, anytime that you are going to undertake a project where you are going to be using your data in order to engage with the large language model to derive output, you have to think about what is the data that's in scope for this project? How much of that data do I manage actively? Meaning I know where it is, I know who can access it, I'm aware of the controls that have been put around it, and I actually have a governance and information governance, more specifically scheme, to govern the use and the storage and the management of that data. And then where do I have gaps in my understanding? Are there scripted deployments that are happening as part of my latest you know, cloud-developed architecture, cloud-native architecture, where I'm not 100% certain of the data that is being captured, that is being managed or manipulated in those environments. And then you really need to prioritize becoming more aware and really getting deep insight into that data, both so that you can keep your own business and your constituents safe and their information private, but also so that you can better define how your own teams will leverage generative AI with that data to derive an outcome that you can use. And so it really comes down to, frankly, something that isn't terribly new, which is scoping a project, thinking about what the positive outcomes of that project would be, and also concerning yourself with what the negative implications of, you know, if you overshare data, what could happen? Do you know what data you're going to be sharing? Have you thought about the usable life cycle of that data, as well as the decisions that you're trying to make? And then really scoping what is the data that would be touched by engaging in this project or this program. And so CISOs have a lot of tools at their disposal that overlap in different ways that can start to answer this question. I think the biggest challenge that we've been hearing from the security teams and the CIOs and even the chief data officers that we engage with is this feeling that they have silos of understanding and some blind spots in the data that they're aware of. They know that some tools can manage their data on premises in hosted data centers that they manage. They know that other tools give them visibility into structure. Maybe other tools will show them what they're managing across software as a service, whether it's a communication or a collaboration platform, or just a unified communications SaaS environment that they might be using like Zoom and others that have multiple modes of sharing information. And so if you think about that sprawl and that fragmentation, what a lot of teams are starting to recognize now, and it's part of the reason that we see so much interest in this space of data security posture management, is we need to have a consistent view. We need to use a cloud native architecture that will continually show us all of the data that we manage, where it resides across these different deployment models, and then will really help us understand what that data represents so that we can scope and initiate these generative AI programs in a way that makes us feel confident and secure in what we're embarking on instead of essentially knowing that there are unknowns that might have negative implications for the business and really wondering when we will find out what those are. That risk, that sense of not knowing, not having a handle on your data is really not something that many board level executives can really afford to run the risk of. And so there really is a need to dive deeper in to answer those questions. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsor. Do you want to automate the process of discovering and classifying your data to protect it from exposure everywhere you manage information? 
Sierra's AI-powered data security platform is changing the way businesses like yours secure data, offering a cloud-native solution built to ensure cyber resilience and assure compliance everywhere you manage data. Sierra empowers security teams to know where their data is, what exposes it to risk, and take immediate action to remediate exposures. Data is every business's most crucial asset and the foundation of any security program. Visit Sierra.io, that's C-Y-E-R-A dot to learn more. And now back to the podcast. I'd like to touch upon that a little bit more, particularly when it comes to CISOs today. Are there any effective safeguards beyond what you've mentioned that they could put in place to prevent accidental disclosures that are made through generative AI platforms? So I think this is going to come down to defense in depth, which is you need to have a layered approach to addressing this challenge like so many others. In this case, what you're really thinking about are what are my insider risks relative to sharing data on these platforms? It's not an external adversarial problem per se. It's not just an application security or sort of an issue where you think about, you know, the secure services edge and some of the other things that have captured people's attention lately. In this case, what you're saying is I, as a business have data, that data has real value to me. I have a lot of people at the organization who have a material and a vested interest to use that data in their day to day. And so when you start engaging with one of these third-party platforms, it is similar to, not exactly the same as many other things that you might do as a business, whether you're using you know, machine learning of different flavors, whether you're starting to work with a third-party contractor, or you even think about how your teams are sharing data with other third parties as a part of enriching their websites or enriching their customer experience. It brings many of these things into really sharp focus. And so you want to start with essentially a data risk assessment, understanding what data do I have and what is exposing it to risk. The ability to automate that is something that many businesses are really starting to invest in heavily today because of the speed at which they're generating data, at which they're consuming data, and then also the way that it's proliferating across their environment. So if you start with a data risk assessment, it should give you an idea of what the current state of the state is with your business. From there, you want to automate things like data discovery and classification, something that will go out and find for you where all of your data resides and then what that data actually represents. From there, you go through a private context on the data. That can include applying metadata or tags to your data in different environments. So if I have you know, a Google productivity suite, for example, I would want to set certain flags in that environment to say the data in this folder or in this drive or in this file is restricted or confidential. And then other downstream tools that you use start to leverage that information in order to make decisions that a CISO relies on to keep the business safe. Anything from network data loss prevention solutions that'll look at the sorts of data that are transiting your network Endpoint data loss prevention solutions that will look at are people downloading sensitive data that they shouldn't to their devices as a way to consider is somebody going to be potentially uploading this information to a generative AI platform from their own laptops, maybe when they're leaving the work environment. And then also an email data loss prevention solution that would look at are they sharing this information across emails that might ultimately lose the protection controls that I've put in place and again could result in sharing that either through a contractor or through another third party, or even just somebody else at the business who doesn't have access directly to the data itself onto a chat GPT or similar. There are other technologies that you can add as well, like enterprise browsers, which I touched on earlier. That has a really significant overhead and a significant burden for IT because you have to think about provisioning people's environments, 
restricting their ability to access either the broader internet or just internal systems through any other means other than that browser. And so there's a whole master data management and device management process that comes into play when you consider that level of control. But there's some other things that we've seen, you know, businesses focusing on, which are more around identity and access management and really controlling who can access data that would filter in here as well. And so if you think about it from the perspective of investment areas, you want to know and understand and add security controls to your data directly. You want to think about the workloads, you want to think about the devices, and you want to think about the users and basically apply controls in all of those areas while you are educating and informing your staff on how to leverage the technology safely. And how can a business that has embraced cloud technology, such as SaaS applications that are designed to share and collaborate when it comes to information, keep track of and secure their data when we consider AI? So the hardest thing about applications is the difference between sanctioned and non-sanctioned SaaS. Because you know if it's sanctioned, then that typically would mean the business is aware of it. They've built some governance processes and some protocols around the use of that technology. And then if they don't have a way to directly control the information that's shared, they most likely will have a way to audit and to manage who is using the application and what sort of data they can share across. And there are different tools that will help with that today. But when you come to unsanctioned SaaS applications, that's where things get a lot more challenging because you don't necessarily know by virtue of these being unsanctioned if your teams are using them, how they're using them, where they're using them. And so the goal would be to focus on getting an investment in a platform that can start to show you continuously essentially how your data is flowing, how it's being accessed across your organization and the posture of it at rest and when it's in use. And those platforms are varied. The spaces are quickly evolving, whether it's SaaS security posture management, data security posture management. There's also other players that have larger footprints with other data loss prevention solutions that are starting to turn their focus and attention here. And I would just say for anybody considering an investment, the biggest thing that you want to consider is having the requirement for manual efforts, for long configuration cycles, for telling the platforms of the technologies what to look for, where to look for it, who to look for, is very quickly going to become not fit for purpose and an antiquated way of developing technology. In this age of generative AI, AI and automation need to be brought to bear to keep tabs with it and to manage it successfully and at scale. And that's what businesses are starting to really invest in. It's where a lot of the vendor landscape is starting to bring forward technologies that are using heavy amounts of automation and AI in order to keep pace with this change. And it's something that I think over the coming months and let's say six to nine month horizon, we're going to see some significant development, consolidation and expansion in the space. And there's something else I'm quite curious about, Ari. I want to know, is there a good way to identify what data would be relevant for an AI project today and to ensure it can be shared securely? The biggest thing for determining what would be in scope for a generative AI project is going to be to understand what is the problem that we're trying to solve. I used to work with a brilliant head of development that would always throw something into a conversation if we were talking too high level and he would just say, how long is a piece of string? And I think when you're talking about a generative AI project and what data is in scope, you have to think, well, what are we trying to do here? Because in theory, anything could be in scope. You can ask questions with any bit of input and perspective output. But if you think about, am I trying to improve the way that I do packaging and pricing for our customer? There will be a certain set of inputs that are relevant there. And then what a CTO, CIO, and CISO should really be collaborating on and thinking about 
is, well, what data do I actually need if that is the purpose of my project? You would say, you know, I need information about who's been buying my service, what that service is, maybe how much I was pricing it, what were some of the things that were happening in the market macroeconomically, for example. All of those types of insights and inputs are important. You would argue that somebody's credit card number, maybe their age is important, but their date of birth would not be. There's all sorts of things that you would normally have in a transaction store that you could think, well, I just want to put all of that data into the model, and then I'll just interrogate the model and ask questions. And that's really where information governance and privacy becomes really critical as a consideration in scoping your generative AI project. Because just like when you work with data analysts at your own firm that want to put information into a data warehouse or a data lake so that they can help to strategize and evolve the business, you're significantly trying to limit the data that you're delivering to these different environments based on the purpose and that purpose limitation principle is going to become something that's really going to guide and govern how you're going to use and scope data to derive the output that you need from generative AI. So I think all of these conversations really do come back to things that security teams and CIOs have been working on for decades, but they're sensational and they're interesting in the sense that there's this notion that you can very easily lose control now that things are exposed to the internet and there is so much automation and machine learning working on this. And it's not down to human capital, which people seem to feel moves more slowly. They can get more of a handle on it by putting in place governance measures. All of those things continue to be true. It's just that you have to build them into automation now so that they can work on your behalf at the speed at which generative AI is starting to evolve the way that we use data. And considering the complexities involved in all of this, how do you see data sharing and data security coexisting in the future? So I think the biggest thing about this relationship is going to be that knowledge and understanding of data. If people know what data they have, the way that they need to govern access to it, they need to be able to share it within their own business. And they can get a good handle on that from a data security and a data privacy perspective. And they are complementary but different ways of approaching data. Then you can start to have the confidence that I understand why I have this information. I understand which governance principles, like for example, if I have data from somebody in the EU, I know that there are certain things about data sovereignty and data residency that I have to manage for that data. I can't share it anywhere. I have to manage it within the country in which it was consumed or where the person who is resident in that country actually resides. That gives me certain answers about where I can move my data. If I have a guarantee to my customer or to my partner or to a job applicant or an employee that the way that I consume their information means that I have to manage it myself and I have to get their express permission before I share it anywhere else. Then you know that the data has to be anonymized or otherwise replaced with sample data before I would put it into a model to derive an output. And there are other considerations about your own intellectual property around the ways that you're engaging with your partners and the essentially sovereignty of their data that will help you govern basically just all aspects of the way that that data is managed. And then you can make more informed and more confident decisions about, can I share this information as is, as it was collected, yes or no? If I need to obscure it, I know how to obscure it and I run that process consistently, again, ideally and wherever possible using automation, before that data gets shared with a third party or with a platform or a technology that is not my own. I'm resisting saying anything like within my four walls or that I control or I manage because I think zero trust has taught us that at this point, everything is permeable. And so a business really just needs to be considering 
the where is my data, the what does it represent, and the who can access it across all of these different consideration sets. And that's what's going to enable data use, data sharing, becoming more data driven more effectively. Thank you for joining us today, Ari, and sharing your expertise. Securing Data in the Age of AI is a Cybercrime Magazine podcast brought to you by Sierra, Offering a cloud-native solution that is purpose-built to ensure cyber resilience and assure compliance everywhere enterprises manage data, Sierra empowers security teams to know where their data is, what exposes it to risk, and to take immediate action to remediate exposures. To learn more about our sponsor, visit Sierra.io. That's C-Y-E-R-A dot I-O.